0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I've got a quick announcement before we get to this week's episode, and that is I am going to switch the release date of the podcast up just a little bit. Normally, we've been producing them and putting them out on Mondays, but I'm going to be switching over to a Mondays only schedule for a little bit. That has everything to do with the craziness of my personal life. I'll just be Honest and straightforward there. I've got a, a really hectic, busy life, and so I'm cutting it back to one episode a week. So every other week, you will have one of these long-form episodes, and on the off weeks, I will continue to do the more short-form, free-flowing, uh, stream-of-conscious type episodes that I do where I share my thoughts and insights with you guys. So we're still gonna put out great content, still going to bring you all of the information that I am bringing you, There may be weeks where we do back-to-back long episodes, and then we do the two episodes a week. But just for my schedule and my crazy busy life, I'm cutting it back, at least for now, to one episode every week. So I hope you continue to enjoy them. It'll give you a little bit of time to get caught up on the ones you haven't listened to. Speaking of which, let's get to this week's episode Welcome to InStrange Company. I'm your host, Marcus Strange. I believe we're a composite of the people with whom we surround ourselves. On this podcast, I sit down with some of the most interesting humans you could hope to meet and give you the opportunity to surround yourself with some amazing people. My guests and I share insights into creating authentic and purpose-filled lives. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate the company. Hey, everybody, welcome back to In Strange Company. I'm your host, Marcus Strange, and today I am here with the amazingly talented Claire Larson. And we're going to have a really fun time hanging out and talk about some uh, really important things that Claire is doing. Like, she's doing some pretty awesome stuff. So, with that, Claire, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Marcus. It's great to be here. <laughs>
0: It is, it is a little weird being so formal. Claire and I know have known each other for a while, um, but most of you probably don't know who she is. So why don't you introduce yourself, tell people who you are and what you do?
1: Oh, golly. Okay. I know
0: it's a tall order. You I do so am much. Claire. <laughs> um,
1: I'm Claire. And uh, what do I do? So, I mean, I think today we'll be talking about what I do in the context of my work life mm-hmm. a little bit, um, which is I am the newly... Uh, acquired program and communications assistant or support person at Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, which is a a nonprofit organization that serves our state um, and is really um, there are many facets to it, but we advocate for the health of mothers and families more as a whole package rather than just focusing on the health of the baby from um age zero to three so that includes pregnancy and then those first sort of precious years after a baby is born um it's it's a it can be a really fragile and complex time in people's lives and so our our organization just uh is always looking for ways that we can serve people in that time in their lives
0: that's very cool yeah and you also are a yoga instructor
1: i am i'm on hold with my yoga right now just due to lots of other things going on in my life but i'm i still practice yoga and i'm very connected with the lotus and have always loved the work that they do there um and uh right now the yoga teaching's on hold but the yoga practicing is still a thing that's awesome yeah
0: and then you're also a writer you Mm -hmm. do a lot of a lot of writing
1: yeah yeah i um I'm a writer and a a language uh, person. Language is my uh, passion and it has been since I was a kid. Um, And it is something that I think holds great power. And the way that that's showing up in my life right now is less time with focused um, writing and crafting like written pieces, but more focus on the actual sharing of stories, which is part of uh, the work that I'm doing with Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, which is a podcast that we'll be creating, um, as Which I'm well. So excited yeah, about. it's really gonna be exciting, um, as well as hosting events where we're encouraging moms to share their stories and, um, just be bring a little bit more awareness about, uh, the this time in people's lives. And I think that, um, part of the the reason that I feel so passionately about it is, you know, when I was becoming a mother myself, I had this notion of what that would look like and what it would feel like and what it would be like and Mm -hmm. um it wasn't like that at all and once I sort of was living in that uh that gap between reality and fantasy and you know I had this new little baby to care for it was like I really wish someone would have been more honest with me (laughs) about how that would look and how it would be and so um having moms share their stories with each other and with the world is hopefully going to uh remove that veil a little bit and and help people to feel less alone in what they're going through
0: absolutely what were three of those things that you wish people had told you three of them yeah um i like numbers i wish
1: they i wish people would have told me and i i often think about this because it's like even if someone had tried to tell me, I think I may have been so wrapped up in what I wanted it to be like that Mm. it, it might have been hard for me to receive the information. Sure. Um, which I think that's, that's how story can kind of break through that. Uh, when someone's sharing their story, it's a little bit easier to listen with an open heart and an open mind than it is. If someone just tells you like, Oh, make sure you have like you know, casseroles in the freezer and blah, 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 (laughs) like whatever it is. But if someone's telling you like, here's how it was for me and, you know, reach out if you need help or whatever. But three of those things, I think, I I think someone, if, if people would have been more um, honest about that, you're not supposed to know how to do everything. Mm. You know, um, I think that in Montana, particularly we Ascribe to this belief that of the rugged individualist the rugged individualism culture that says like I, I got this I don't want to have to ask for help. Yeah, I want to show everyone and prove to everyone that I Understand what I'm doing here and I'm totally proficient in like everything baby um, and Uh, God I wasn't you know and I really needed help with things um that I thought that I was supposed to know so just having someone tell me you're not you know you're not supposed to be pro at this from like moment one would have been great um and another thing I think is just people did tell me this but I think one of the most helpful things is to know that it's a very intense time Mm. um and that it won't always be as intense like it will the intensity of parenthood will remain forever um but but the absolute demanding like moment to moment every day just stuff that happens when you first become a parent um yeah it doesn't always stay that intense that's good to know that would have been helpful to just have a little bit more of a a uh, reassurance or a dialogue within myself that i could have been like oh well this is really hard and really intense but it's not going to be this hard and this intense forever yeah. so i can just commit to it now and then know that it will ease up a bit yeah yeah mm. um and then just i think the whole thing about that caring for yourself is caring for your baby that would have been a very welcome idea yeah <laughs> for me um, that I didn't, I didn't have, I thought you were just supposed to give every ounce of energy you had to the baby and that like anything, including like, you know, eating, sleeping, getting fresh oh air, geez. like these basic things that you just, you just assume like, okay, well I can't, I don't, I can't make time for that because I'm solely focused on the baby's needs, Yeah, but it's actually important. Huh?
0: Yeah. So g- Thinking about that last one, mm-hmm. why do you think that mothers particularly mm-hmm. don't feel like they can care for themselves or maybe don't feel like they should? Why, why, where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't think like that. Mm-hmm. I, and I think this is the way a lot of guys think. Like, we are like, yeah, like, I got to go spend time with my friends or I need to go for, you know, a hike or go to the gym or whatever. Like, we, tend to be a little bit better at Mm self-care maybe it's not the most effective Mm self-care maybe going to the bar is your form of self-care but Mm -hmm. we still we still do forms of self-care why do you think it is that new moms especially are just not not making the time for that
1: yeah um i think that's a really interesting question um And it as, uh, as I'm thinking about, it, yeah, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say, and it's probably different from person to uh-huh. person, but right. in general terms, what do you think?
1: Right. I mean, I think I can, I can only speak from my own experience, although I know many moms who come from different backgrounds who have experienced the same sort of dilemma mm-hmm. of, um, of caring for yourself and versus caring for your baby or even caring for your partner. And I think that, I, um, I think that sometimes our natural tendency as females to nurture others um can sometimes get a little out of control. <laughs> so you learn the way that you learn to care for others, you know, I I have a very nurturing personality Mm. um it's just who i am and i i'm always really really aware of how other people are feeling so that i can tend to that it's part of how i grew up it's part of my story and and how that goes and my girls are the same way like we just are very alert to other people's emotional states and needs and whatever their needs may be and so i think for a long time i thought that that i considered that a strength of mine okay to the point where you know caring for others eclipsed caring for myself Mm. so then then when it uh it took me a long time and I'm actually it's still work that I'm doing of kind of regaining my own trust that I will meet basic needs and like um but but now that I've realized how important and crucial that is it's something that like I'm able to care for others so much more uh generously when I feel okay myself and as far as like M- male versus female I mean I don't know I don't want to I don't want to give too much like of a loaded answer but I think that it's sort of just assumed um like for guys it's just like well yeah duh like it's just like like this goes this goes like of course I would meet my own needs like of course that's important and of course yeah. like I deserve that and I think females often grow up or women or girls like we often grow up thinking that others needs are more important and Mm. that the way that we show our value in the world is to meet others needs and then gain some sort of approval or payoff through doing that and so it's like this validation hunger that you have to meet that others needs in order to know that you're important in the world wow yeah
0: so how can how can we help our partners take care of themselves how can we encourage them what are some things that we can do because I would imagine that that programming to you know put others first and and Mm -hmm. take care of others needs before your own is um you know really hard to undo and work through and and I I would be afraid um to go to my partner and make them feel invalidated like what they're doing is is wrong Mm -hmm. you know but I would still want to encourage them to take care of themselves so what's an effective way that partners can help each other provide that self-care at this, you know, really crucial time to Mm -hmm. take care of each other.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that I think just keeping a pulse on really basic needs, like, and like in my situation as a new mom, my husband at the time was working. Like he got maybe, I think he got maybe a week off and then it was like right back into the swing of things. And so I think what would have been really helpful for me is like, if, if if my partner had come home and just really, instead of asking, like, how's the baby? Like, how did it go? You know, just saying like, hey, have you had enough water today? Have you gotten a chance to step outside and like breathe any fresh air? Like checking in on really basic needs. And then, and then almost with like a strong insistence of like, please go and do this for you and for us right now. You know, like, please go take a bath. I'm going to the baby for an hour just these really small bite-sized things where um you can remove yourself from caretaker mode of another and and settle into like something that would feel really good and i think it can look different every day like i think it can be you know today i feel like i need a walk today i just need to lay down for an hour and sleep yeah. today i need to call a friend you know and it can be different every day but just having someone check in and say like, I feel like probably you didn't get to meet your needs today. How can I support you in doing that right now? Like, I'm I'm here right. to do that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And again, I'll just reemphasize that we're talking in very general terms here, and mm-hmm. everybody's so different, and mm-hmm. everybody's needs are different, and your situation is not going to be the same as mine or Claire's. And so it's it's really important that, you identify what your needs are and don't compare your story to other people's stories. And I think, as I've watched, I, I don't have kids myself, but as I've watched my friends have kids, and as I've watched family members have have children, that seems to be one of the um, one of the tipping points mm-hmm. is whether they're comparing their story to somebody else's. Right. And and how do, how do you encourage your friends not to do that? How do you help them? Um, live their own their own story and and face their own challenges
1: Mm -hmm. i mean i think again like it just goes back to really um owning and being comfortable with what your own story and your own truth is Mm -hmm. and the more that the more that i'm say able to do that for myself the more you free feel free to do that in my company right so i think that um i think I'm humming and hawing on this one no it's all good no worries um but i think that i just encourage people to really kind of trust their lives ultimately like Mm. i had to just come to a point where it was like okay these are my circumstances this is how i grew up these are the patterns that i adopted like this is who i am some of it's really hard and i would like to change it some of it is you know inherently a part of who i am as a person right it's part of my personality Mm -hmm. but i think i think that um i had the way that i stopped comparing myself to others was just really accepting that Mm -hmm. and really being like okay well so sort of taking a lay of the land and saying like so these are all my patterns and my things and my things that make me claire and this is what i have to work with and so i'm just now going to like roll up my sleeves and dig in what I have what do I have as resources what do I have as a support system what do I have to work with like in my home that feels good what do you, like and just really accepting that and not that helped me to not be looking to others for answers right just kind of owning my own situation
0: yeah and I would add to that that one of the things that you can do as a friend or a family member is to not constantly be saying oh like you're struggling with this or you're doing this so and so also like that continual reemphasis of how you're the same as everybody else uh-huh. it's it's important to learn from other people's stories yeah. it's important to to you know have that comparison but especially at a time where I mean you've got so many different things going on acknowledging that the struggle is unique Mm -hmm. and that the things that they're going through are different Mm -hmm. than other people helps them feel comfortable living their own story because you're seeing them as a unique person. And I I had this happen with a friend a little while ago. Um, she just had a baby. She was, you know, really facing some unique challenges. And, um, I don't remember what she said specifically, but she said something that kind of downplayed what she was going through. And, and I, just simply said, I looked at as like, no, that, that is really hard. And I don't know if I can understand what you're going through, Mm -hmm. but I do understand that it's hard. Mm -hmm. And you could just see, like, it it was like a little bit of reprieve from like, okay, like, it's okay that this is hard and this is different than what Mm -hmm. other people are going through. It doesn't have to be the same. Right. So I think just acknowledging to your friends and your family members that they are unique and that the, the things that they're going through are hard makes a big difference as mm-hmm. well.
1: Yeah. There's a great, have you seen the, um, Brene Brown did a talk about empathy versus sympathy? No. And there's, and someone did an animated video and I, maybe we can put this in the link, Yeah, let's um, do it. but, but it talks about the difference between being with someone in their pain and struggle. Um, and just saying, I don't, you know, sometimes the best thing you can say is I don't know um, I don't know what to say right now. This is really hard. I'm here. You're not alone Versus, you know, we're often really because we're unable to feel someone else's discomfort. It makes us uncomfortable Oh, yeah, then then that is something that we quickly rush to prescribe You know and say like, oh, yeah, that really sucks. Have you tried this? Yeah. You know and that can seem like you're being a proactive um, support person but it actually just makes it compounds the issue for the person who's in the struggle because chances are like if you're really struggling with something especially as a new parent like you're at your capacity and someone coming in and like offering like a very like externally based idea like oh have you tried you know going for a run today or like something like that <laughs> where it's just like it just it makes you feel instead of driving connection which is what brene Brown instead of driving connection, it just makes you feel more isolated Yeah. because all of a sudden, like there's this other idea that you hadn't considered. And then you feel like an idiot that that didn't even occur to you and it just can compound. So I think that the best thing when someone is going through anything hard, including, you know, anything that has to do with that um, postnatal period is just really saying like, I'm here. I don't know what to say, but you're not alone. And just offering that companionship versus, trying to fix it yeah yeah
0: and i think uh, i'll just speak from my own personal experience when i'm really in my masculine energy Mm i am very task oriented Mm -hmm. it's like all right what's the hill to climb what's the thing to conquer like where's the you know Mm -hmm. what where do i go find some meat to drag it back to my cave like that is that is where i'm at and that is not a connective energy Mm -hmm. And with that being said, I think most of the time people know what they need to do. Mm-hmm. So they don't need you telling them right. what to do. Yep. Like if I am having a bad day, I know how to fix that bad yeah. day. I just want to know that I'm okay, yep. that I'm not broken, yep. that I'm not, that there's nothing wrong with me yep. and I just want to be seen. Yep. And so I can, I can extrapolate that into that post, uh, what did you call it postnatal yeah okay,
1: yeah postpartum or post postnatal is just okay. any any time after that baby comes <laughs> is, yeah. a, is a hard period, and people can refer to it in different terms because uh it doesn't stop like they they keep the little people keep being there, <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> but it's particularly overwhelming at first, yeah, so yeah, S- but i think th- I think that's really true, and i I think that I think that we most when we're struggling, we most need to know that we are loved and accepted mm-hmm. and seen exactly where we are and that there's nothing that we need to do at that moment in order to gain someone's love or or recognition or whatever it is that you're just needing support wise. Like you don't have to jump through a hoop first in order to deserve support. Right. You deserve support for like being at your rock bottom or being at your hardest point and like that's where that's where as friends or partners or whoever we can show up and just be with what's happening rather than trying to make some sort of um conquer some sort of mission in order to feel better because the truth is like you said a, a male tendency um and i don't mean to be rude but we're trained in different ways right and so yeah um this whole idea about you know if we just set our eyes on a goal, set our sights and then accomplish that goal. Like things will feel better. Mm-hmm. But the truth is like, say that that goal is a hill to climb. Like if you're going to set out to climb up a hill in order to feel better and you feel like crap the whole time you're doing it and you're already exhausted and you're already tapped out, like, and you get to the top of that hill, like, are you going to feel better? No, you're going to feel more exhausted and more. And, and now you're just exhausted at the top of a hill. Yeah. So it's kind of how it feels for me when I'm in that place. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think for people listening, draw your own, um, like take your own knowledge from what I'm about to say. But for me, what I've learned and something I'm really big on is that it's not actually the top of the hill that Mm -hmm. is the experience, it's the climb up the hill. Mm -hmm. And if you're so focused on getting to the top of the hill, you actually miss most of what the, the whole point of getting to the top of the hill was right and so take from that what you will <laughs> that's
1: true and i would also argue in my very this is a very marcus claire condo <laughs> we're having but i would also argue that like maybe you just need to sit down or like lie down even at yeah. the bottom of the hill and then and then wake up tomorrow and see if you might have more energy to like take the first step up the hill in the first Absolutely. place right it's yeah. like this whole idea of th- uh, there are awesome things to do in the world but if you don't start with from a place that already feels um safe Mm -hmm. and stable and healthy then whatever you're setting out to do is going to be influenced by this um this energy that is inherently already hard right so it's just as like any decision that's made from that place is probably not going to be enjoyable whether you're um, making success up this hill that we're talking about or whatever it is like you're not even going to be able to enjoy the journey Mm -hmm. if you're coming from a place that's already really super super um in crisis or in struggle
0: absolutely yeah yeah um
1: we're bouncing all over i love it
0: (laughs) i love it we're gonna actually bounce right now as a mom of two amazing kids Mm. what's a lesson that they've taught you
1: Mm. that's good Maybe
0: one from both of them because we we want to sure. be fair here. <laughs> yeah, sure.
1: So my my daughters, Kyla is seven, and Kendall will be five in less than a week. Um, and they have, I think, they, I say this often, and if you know them, you know that they almost couldn't be more different as people. Mm-hmm. And so the lessons that they've taught me are, um, super different as well. But I think that, um, Kyla as a person, um, never stops taking in information. It's Mm. just who she is. Um, and she will arrive on any scene and immediately start to gather as much information about what is there in any form that she can. And then, um, and then almost like use it as fuel to drive her, to make her decisions. And I think that's something that I really admire about her. And it's also been something that's really different than how I function, Um, which when I arrive on a scene, I take a very different type of survey, you know, and to see what's happening. And so for Kyla, it's not only looking at her doing that and sort of admiring her um, innate ability to assimilate information, but it's also um, she has tested my <laughs> ability <laughs> to provide constant non-stop information about most everything in the world and gotcha. so my lesson from her is that that both that uh sort of that duality of admiring that characteristic in her but also um being patient and um recognizing like my own how that triggers me as a person to have to kind of Provide that type of information all the time, yeah, and just really realizing that's who she is, and and taking deep breaths and remaining calm in that constant <laughs> sort of interrogation <laughs> mode. Um, and Kendall, uh. uh, gosh, Kendall's really different. She is a very heart-based, emotionally driven person, and she's much more like me. And I think that um, watching her sometimes go through different uh times where she feels she's very sensitive and mm. so watching her be have her feelings hurt or have things come up that normally people would not even notice they really hit her hard gotcha. and so learning how to be really compassionate towards that with her and like she's not a kiddo that you can explain anything to in the same way i would with kyla she's a kiddo that needs to be picked up and hugged gotcha. and told that like and, and be with her when she's going through a hard time so that's been a good practice for me in offering that to her I've been able to better offer that to myself and to people that are close to me in my life mm-hmm. Yeah, those are long answers but no that's questions. fantastic yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's one of the things that is so amazing to me about children mm-hmm. is there's so much to learn mm-hmm. they're they're unfiltered they're real they're raw and I feel like at least for myself that I became much more closed off and less willing to be honest and share the mm-hmm. older I got and yeah. I'm, like unpacking all that and learn like unlearning and reparenting that in myself. Mm-hmm. But as I've been doing that and as I've like spent time around kids, it's really cool to learn from them because you just, you get it. Like yeah. you just get whatever, whatever's on their mind, mm-hmm. whatever they're feeling and there's so much power in that honesty Yeah. And so I love that you share that about your kids. I mean, that's, that's Mm -hmm. amazing that you're learning those lessons from them.
1: Yeah. They're masters of expression and they, and the younger kids are, you know, the less they've been exposed to that, that might not be acceptable. Mm -hmm. The more willing they are to just like, if they're pissed off, you're going to see it and you're going to see it in their face and in their body and you're going to hear it in their voice and they're just going to let it out. And, you know, and. Of course, like as we go on, we have to learn how to sort of like <laughs> contain that in an appropriate manner. Some people don't. Some right. people as adults are still feeling that way with their anger, but, um, but I think that it is for me. It's like a really beautiful thing to watch them, just like let it out and then let like like let the world deal with that. You yeah. know, like they don't have a lot of um filter that way, and it, and in that way, it can be really a beautiful thing to witness. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Would you talk about your support system? What does your support system in life look like? Mm-hmm. And then I got a follow-up question for you.
1: Yeah. Um you know, I'm I don't know what a lot of people's support systems look like, but I have learned about myself that I am not a, I'm a person who can be naturally social and gregarious with a lot of people in a lot of ways. But when it comes to like my actual vulnerability and things that are hard for me, I'm very selective about who I let into that zone. Mm. And um, and I do a lot of internal processing on my own. Um, and so sometimes my support system looks like, you know, a few really close friends and um, family members um, that I'm willing to like really be honest with about how I'm doing. Um, and ask for help and that's something that's always been really hard for me um so it's it's a really tight network of people but then i've found my support system to also include a lot of like books and a lot of um Mm. videos and podcasts that teach me about um a body-mind connection and emotional awareness and how one thing influences the other. And the more I learn about that, the more I find that I'm able to be compassionate with myself and kind of be my own support system, um, which is h- just kind of how I roll. Like I, I've i always been a person who really, I um really like alone time. I like to be by myself. I like to process in like a quiet space where there's not a lot going on. Um, And so I kind of, uh, I create my support system out of resources that I find really beneficial in my learning process, um, but then, and and inspirational, and then people who I feel like I can absolutely sit down and pour out, like, exactly how I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you see your support system evolve once you became a parent?
1: Mm. I'm thinking about that. Um, you know I, I am someone who suffered postpartum depression with both of my kids mm-hmm. and so uh, what what is hard is I think that I had a support system available but I because I was in that state I was unable to access it mm-hmm. um, just because that's sort of the nature of depression is like isolation comes up and it seems like the best route right because yeah for a lot of for a whole host of reasons, but I think that um I think that my willingness to admit how hard things were um, increased like because my family needed me to be well. Yeah, so I think that in that way, I was more open to accepting support than I would have been before becoming a mom because I just had this feeling that like, okay, well, I can survive like I can make it even if I'm like having a really hard time like I got this yeah. but then once you have a little one staring back at you in the face and you can't stop crying like you don't really the choice is much harder to make like I got this than yeah. it is like I need help so I think that it's not so much that my support system grew I think that it always was there and I'm lucky that way mm-hmm. but I was able to um just be more open to accepting help gotcha yeah
0: Will you dive a little bit into postpartum depression and talk about what it is, what it isn't? I think there's this, and maybe this is changing and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Mm -hmm. but my understanding of it for a really long time was like, oh, you just get kind of down and you don't Mm -hmm. feel, you got kind of like the blues and then like eventually you just kind of like, over it as time goes by yeah. and that was that was my perception of what it was but it's my understanding now is it's so different than that so yeah. will you explain a little bit about it to us
1: yeah and because I'm not you know I'll 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 uh, put a disclaimer on this like I'm not a psychologist I'm not like having I, I have any medical <laughs> training but yeah th- my understanding of um, postpartum depression um and and postpartum depression is kind of like the um it's still the most I don't know, I don't want to say accepted, but it's the most well-known form of what is now known as PMADs, which are um, post, post-maternal or peri- perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, which can range yeah. from postpartum depression to um, anxiety, really intense anxiety, or even bipolar and psychosis. Mm. Um, and so it's like a very real uh, health concern, and it goes in that cluster of mental health concerns that people are scared to talk about because once you get into um a mental health realm versus like you know you break your leg or you have cancer or um it gets really scary for people because the brain is an organ that drives everything we do right so like it's a scary thing to know that if that isn't doing well like what can happen out of that is really can be really scary and really hard and really sad and really traumatic um but but my own experience of postpartum depression um, first I will say like it I knew it was a risk it ran it runs in my family my mom suffered with both my brother and I in that same way Um, and so I knew in having a baby that it was something that um, I could I would potentially face Um, and but I but I wanted to believe that like I was you know you can't see me out there, but quotations (laughs) strong enough to get through it without that happening. Right. Um, and, uh, and so postpartum depression can look really different for many people. For me, it, um, it looked like, uh, well, I don't know this is, this is going to be a long answer, but that's okay. My, my first baby Kyla, um, you know when she was born I'll just kind of give the story because it sort of gives a little bit of context of um what my first year of motherhood was like but Kyla was born um the birth did not go at all how I anticipated it would um I had a I had an emergency cesarean after going through a lot of other things um which there's a lot of uh I just won't go into it but anyway that's how my story went and because of that my body did not do it did not rebound well with mm-hmm. the healing process um having to heal from a major operation that cuts all the way through your body um, while learning how to breastfeed and how to care for a little one and how to sort of accept this new identity as a mother is like a lot, right? So yeah. of course <laughs> it's going to be hard. And this is where it gets tricky because we talk about like, how can you be in that set of like extremely intense circumstances and not feel like mentally tested? Absolutely. Like you will, any yeah. human will. But the thing that happened is like, so that happened. And then there was this, um, time in between, like where I did start to sort of heal, and then Kyla became very, very critically ill when she was eight weeks old and oh, had to so be scary. hospitalized. Um, and so, that story in and of itself was super traumatic. Um, and so, it was sort of like a piggyback effect for me, you know, like I don't know what would have happened had Kyla not gotten sick, but I do know that in between the time of her coming into this world and her being hospitalized um, you know I was trying to do my best and I was not feeling like this heavy cloud was lifting mm. um, and uh, my partner at the time you know had enough information to spot that and get me into a, a nurse practitioner who actually recognized and, and talked with me and and got me some help um, but it felt to me like my world had gotten awfully small and awfully dark and I had this little baby and the most torturous part of it was that I wanted so badly to feel like the joy of what was happening oh my gosh and it was like just outside of what I could reach Mm. so um so despite all the different sort of U- ultra challenging circumstances surrounding my personal story. Like I know that as a mom who's going through postpartum um, depression or anxiety, that the overwhelm of that feeling uh, outweighing the joy of what you're, what you have in front of you is an extremely torturous place to be and to live and to try to get through each day. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that's what that looked like. And I did have an experience, you know, which many women have where you go in for your six week checkup or eight week checkup or whatever it is after you give birth. Like you're just you're just automatically like, boom, going to end up in a doctor's office. And I'll never forget, like there I was and it was um, a male doctor and I had never met him before. He was not my physician with any other care. He was just my follow-up dude, right? Mm. And so we went through this the screening procedure where you kind of talk about, like, how things are going and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I was, like, clearly falling apart (laughs) and and i and i was crying in his office and like things were not okay and he totally responded with the like this is just baby blues like same thing you just described like this is just the baby blues like it'll pass every mom goes through this hang in there and that's what i think like the old model was that and like (sighs) that was considered reassuring and supportive (laughs) and i just remember feeling like like it was almost like i um I just remember feeling so hopeless that like here I was with like the one person that could possibly help me and like I just got shut down on that and I mean luckily you know my partner at the time like a couple weeks after that was like okay this still isn't getting better like we need to go back and and then I did have a different um, nurse practitioner who was actually helpful mm-hmm. in recognizing that, that I was struggling from postpartum depression and was very proactive in getting me help for that. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot there, but yeah. Yeah. It's a hard That's time.
0: R- incredibly hard. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm over here feeling all these emotions yeah. and <laughs> I, I'm feeling very fired up right now. Uh-huh. I want to be like, what yeah. the heck dude? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. why would you say that to somebody? Yeah. Um, And I think the, the thing that I took away from, I took a lot of things away from that. The, the thing that's coming to mind right now was you said that like a couple weeks later mm-hmm. after that, your partner mm-hmm. and and kudos to your partner for, mm-hmm. for being in tune and aware and, and all of that. But two weeks is a long time yeah. and I'm not, I'm t- totally not judging or mm-hmm. criticizing him, yeah. but I'm just thinking right now, like how many of my friends did I, see in a situation like that and I didn't say anything or I didn't provide that support yeah and and I guess I'm just taking away this reminder to not hold back from your friends Mm -hmm. and and if you if you can be there and support them soon and early and don't let it go for as long as as you had to struggle Mm -hmm. in in silence I mean that's just really it makes me really sad for you (laughs)
1: yeah and i think it's really hard too because i will say you know um what we mentioned earlier about this this um notion that um and i was just speaking with someone about this yesterday but this this sort of rite of passage that you go through as a Mm. woman like once you have a baby it is like it's the it's considered or to me it was like considered this time to shine right this is like how i this is how i prove i've made it yeah and so um So there, there was a lot of reluctance and refusal, downright refusal on my part to admit defeat. So that made it hard to help me because it's hard to help. It's like when you, it's like when you try to help a wounded animal, right? Like you can't just walk up to the animal when they're like in, when they feel like they're in danger and they're defending themselves. Like Mm -hmm. this is what it was like. And I felt completely, um, like a failure that this was happening so in that way it was really hard for anyone to say like hey Claire I think we might need to like go and deal with this because I was like no no I'm fine I'm good I'm good I'm good I'm good I got this you know (laughs) and and (laughs) and so it's a combination of things and I think that that's why I believe so passionately in telling the truth about what happened to me and having other moms share their truth about how it's going for them because the more you feel like Um, other people have, have struggled in this time, the more you're, uh, you're, you're less likely to say I'm supposed to have it all together. I'm supposed to like, this is my time to shine. This is my time to like own this and look perfect and prove myself and all these things. Like it has to also be acknowledged that you can do that. Like you are proving yourself by telling the truth about how hard it is, right? Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. And so I think that that's where it's really important to um, to be honest about what our experiences are, um, yeah. and to know that if you are someone who wants to support anyone who's going through a mental, mental illness, you you'll have to know that there might be this obstacle of getting through because they don't want this to be happening. So right. there's the denial factor. There's the the whole thing about just wishing you didn't need help. You know, there's that's a lot to get through, and you you have to be pretty um, willing to deal with that.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. that's a that's a great reminder. Yeah, Thank you for, mm-hmm. for saying that. I mean, we could talk about, th- we've like scratched <laughs> the surface on a bunch of different topics yeah. around uh, motherhood and this uh, postpartum uh, journey that people go through. So I actually think this is a perfect time to have you talk about the podcast that you're doing because while I can't talk about everything you guys are launching a really cool podcast to dive deeper into these topics mm-hmm. and other topics we didn't even you know touch on today
1: right yeah so we this is a really cool thing because I just sort of um, I came on at healthy mothers healthy babies and I have a background in creative writing creative nonfiction is what I really focused on mm. in my education Um And so I've always loved the um, the power of a true story, right? Like some people are like fiction and science fiction nuts and I love that. Awesome. Not my thing. Like I want to know the truth and I want to know the essence and I want to know what happened. I want to know the details like it's just that's just who I am. I like like to cut to the chase. So, in terms of this, I came into Bree's office, um the executive director of Healthy Mother's Healthy Babies, if you don't know her but i and I, and we just started talking about you know like how many things have we been to where there've been a couple of moms gathered, and like how badly do they want to share their story of how it went for them like badly mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's It's something that you keep inside that so much wants to come out, just like not only for the um cathartic process of sharing a story but also for like a time where you are often isolated and really alone to be able to finally voice that and have someone... be relate to it and have connection and say like yeah me too that's like a big deal right it's super powerful so i just had this idea and i said like hey what if we started a podcast where we just basically had moms come on and and share their stories whether it's their birth story or whether it was something a complication they had in pregnancy or Mm. whether things went you know totally scripted like how it's supposed to go but they still struggled because it's a hard time like what if we just had a different Um, variety of moms come on and share their stories as well as people who are actively working in the field of advocacy and awareness for maternal mental health Mm. like what if we had a combination of things and that was both because we believe in the power of story and also because as a new mom you have very limited time where you can um, like access a resource and like you don't have time to sit down and read a book that's for sure yeah. You don't have time to like go to a thing or do a thing or watch a webinar or whatever it may be. Like your time is very limited. So like let's say you're like sitting down and you're feeding baby and you can pop headphones in for a few minutes while you're doing that and just get a taste of like someone else's story that makes you feel less alone in that time. Awesome like so that was it was it was a a two-sided like we want to be able to reach this audience that's notoriously hard to reach and like hard to get them to come out to events and all these things because like you don't even want to put on real pants when you're a new mom like that (laughs) seems hard you know like things are hard so um so we thought that this would be really great and we um partnered with the uh early childhood coalition and they're helping us to get this up and running and it's just something we thought that we could do within our own um, capacity and with the energy and resources that we have something that we could do to make a difference um, for moms who would like to share their story and moms who need to hear stories and so that's the idea and we don't know exactly what it will look like yet but we know that that those are our main Goals and our our main sort of mission is to just make those connections where the connections are getting left off. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is gonna be so powerful and beautiful, and I'm excited to listen to the conversations that you have. I think it's gonna be really amazing. It's gonna do so much good for so many people. So I'm excited to get this launched and see where it goes. That's gonna be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and I want to say too, like today we've talked about a lot of really hard things that come with it, but another thing that was so helpful in, in me with new parenting is like you start to connect with other parents and there's like things that are hilarious as well like there's things that are so ridiculous that you like have to laugh about them right like yeah um and so so even just talking about those things and 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 uh providing those stories so that people can also find like the light in the time and mm. and kind of um, be able to celebrate like that it is this time of intense like you do have all the joy and at the same time you're being asked to like do the hardest thing you've ever done in your life and it's like so hard and overwhelming and everything and it's like the coolest thing you've ever done in your life so it's uh, it's really hard to hold those two complete dueling sets of emotions and like and it's a unique thing that like only new parents can really understand like what that feels like right yeah um in terms of that but yeah. That's that's the the idea. That's awesome. To get folks in talking about it.
0: Cool. So, if you are listening and you enjoyed this conversation, Claire's going to be having more conversations not with me because i have no idea what i'm talking about and oh. I, I apologize for anything that i miss said or any inaccuracies that i may have said but claire is uh she's an incredible person she's gonna be an incredible host and she's bringing on some really amazing women to talk about their stories so uh and are men. Y- there'll probably be men too oh and men that's awesome <laughs> very yeah. cool uh do you feel comfortable sharing the name yet
1: yeah it'll be called mother love oh and uh we'll be getting the information out in every possible way that we can once uh we're up and running so
0: awesome so folks can check you out on social media your websites yep cool i will those are all going to be in the show notes so check those out and connect with montana healthy mothers healthy babies yeah yeah Thank you. Yeah. So this is the fun part for me anyway. Yay. I've got a bunch of questions for you that have absolutely nothing to do with anything we just talked about. And (laughs) we're just going to run through them real quick. Okay. Don't overthink them. Okay. Just say whatever comes to your mind first. Wine or beer?
1: Beer, but I'm currently not drinking, so.
0: Nice. Are you doing, what are they calling it, sober January? You
1: know, no. Or are you just like... I'm like... I'm like done for a while. Nice. My, uh, th- This is like going on a longer, I won't talk That's very okay. long. But <laughs> My mom, my lovely mother, um, we were just talking about over the holidays and drinking hasn't been a big part of my life for a long time, but it's mm-hmm. always been something that I've enjoyed. But also I know it sort of has inhibited me in ways as well. Um and so my mom gave me this book called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober and I don't know if people have heard of it if you've heard of it but it's a wonderful read and it's a it's written by this really great and hilarious British woman who went is shares her own story and her own journey about how she got to where she is and um and so my mom and I just sort of sort of on you know starting this new year we were like let's just do an experiment and kind of like go without and just see how it goes and that's very cool yeah so uh beer would have been my answer for sure like without nice. even any hesitation <laughs> and i do still love beer culture a lot um but i'd have to say like you know ginger soda
0: nice <laughs> or coffee well i or i <laughs> uh don't drink yeah. i i drink every once in a blue moon which Mm -hmm. means like once every six months yeah (laughs) but i have found that uh a club in lime or a kombucha is just as acceptable Mm -hmm. and you can still go have fun with your friends so agreed yeah Yeah. all right if i gave you a million dollars right now what would you do
1: Mm. i would probably buy a cabin in the woods just purchase a cabin in the woods and I would spend the next year of my life, I probably wouldn't need a million dollars to do this, but like this is what I would do. Cabin in the woods. Um, I would like live a very minimalistic lifestyle um, considering that I have girls who like love <laughs> stuffed animals. But, uh, but I would go and I would spend my time just really uh, learning about what I want to learn about. And I would write And I would just spend time outside and in nature and just live a very present life for the next 365 days and figure out exactly like which way I wanted to turn next. That's what I'd do.
0: What's your most used emoji?
1: (laughs) probably the lady smacking herself on the forehead <laughs> is, that, is that a common answer no nope. uh, <laughs> but i find that that one comes in handy for most text messages i'm sending like oh hey sorry i forgot my keys in your house i have to come back in now or like you just uh, that covers a variety of reasons i'm texting people gotcha
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> uh what is something new you want to try
1: um i want to learn to play the piano or the guitar like i've never had music i've never had a a form of musical expression in my life and i really want that yeah
0: you can only listen to justin bieber or Nicki minaj for the rest of your life which one are you listening to Nicki minaj okay hello uh what is a book (laughs) everyone should read
1: um uh the collected poems of mary oliver
0: Oh, my goodness. She is
1: amazing. Dude, she's the best. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Who would you want to have your back in a bar
1: fight? Mm, let me think about this for a minute. Gosh, that's kind of a hard one. Lizzo.
0: Lizzo? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, she would throw down. Right? Yeah. Yeah. In sync or backstreet boys
1: (laughs) i don't know if it's supposed to be someone we know but no that was my answer someone uh Um, picked
0: a ufc fighter oh nice yeah there
1: you go um can i neither on Sync or backstreet boys i honestly i don't really know the difference between (laughs) them i really i'm not kidding like if you put both of them on i would not be able to tell you that's fair what's who's what yeah um but yeah, so I don't know that I. Is there like a. Do you
0: have a boy band that you were into back in the day? Not really. Yeah. Okay. No, that's fine. I didn't. Yeah. yeah no wrong thing. answers. <laughs> if you could have one thing be free forever, what would it be?
1: I mean, this is going to seem like very prescriptive, but like women's access to health care. <laughs> That's awesome like, that's a great answer. If, if every woman could um like unabashedly and and I mean every person for this matter, but because I'm focused on advocacy for maternal health and women's health, I think that there's just been a grave injustice regarding like what we've learned about our bodies, what we've learned about how they function, what they're capable of, how they work, how they heal, yeah how they get hurt. Like, I just, I am still, and I consider myself, like, a pretty aware person. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm still missing loads of information there. Yeah. So, like, if there could, if, if that could just always be a free and available service, I think that it would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was really highlighted to me with two experiences I had. One, I was listening to a podcast, and they just broke down, like, the ridiculous history of women's health care and it it made me totally sick the mm-hmm. other thing was i was talking to a friend and she said something about her body mm-hmm. and it was completely and factually inaccurate yeah and i was just like how do you not know that about your own body and and not in a way of like she did right. something wrong but like what has society done and, right. and failed her that she doesn't know that about her and i as a, a man who doesn't need that information i know that that's that's disgusting
1: for sure anyway so if those if those educational and health resources could be made available man that would be awesome that would be powerful because the the information that we learned instead of like what's true is like such bull that it's you know li- that, like the lies that we were fed instead in s- instead of like the actual useful information that we could know yeah are like that's like even more damaging right it's like mm-hmm. not only do we not know the truth but like the lies that we do know are like super destructive yeah and that like if if that could just always be free and available man that would be awesome
0: and then you have to unprogram all of that yeah, yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. okay pancakes or waffles mm, waffles What's the most played song on your phone?
1: Mm, I'm generally known for my sad bastard genre <laughs> of music that i love <laughs> um but let me think um I really like phoebe bridgers and i and she's she fits right into that category of sad bastard but um her her album uh something in the Alps is like i it's my go to Cool. Yeah. Stranger in the Alps. Yeah. Stranger yes. in the Alps.
0: Mm-hmm. Would you rather watch a TV show or a movie? Movie. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Morning person or night owl?
1: Morning person, 100%. Mm.
0: McDonald's or Wendy's?
1: Um, Just Wendy's because they seem like the underdog. Yeah. But I'm not really, I, you won't find me at either of those places, yeah. but.
0: You won't find me there much <laughs> either.
1: But I got to go, I got to uh. give Wendy's a little love there.
0: What's your superpower?
1: Um, My superpower is being able to know how people feel before they even know how they feel.
0: When did you identify that was your superpower?
1: Hmm. Probably we were at the same um, natural energy mm-hmm. identification event. Yeah. It was right around that time where I really learned to embrace like what my natural gift is, which is to remind people like who they are, the essence of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and and once I learned that and considered that and sort of started to experiment with it, like I think that that's when I really recognized that that, that it is really like it's information that is just obvious to me that I've learned is not obvious to everyone. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. Mm-hmm. How do you say this word? Carmel. <laughs> oh man.
1: <laughs> so disappointed. Oh, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And what's fun about that is I knew what you wanted me to say cuz this is how you do, right? But this is how I really would say it. And I, so I had to resist this moment of like, oh, Marcus wants me to say caramel. I but
0: just want, I want you to naturally <laughs> step in to the <laughs> truth and <laughs> embrace yes. reality. Yeah. Okay. Um,
1: At least I didn't say Carmel.
0: Someone says Carmel.
1: I mean, maybe. Carmel, Because there's like, well, we don't need to get into it. But I think that I would be a I say caramel. Third. Yeah. I
0: pronounce the middle A good for you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right uh two last questions for you yes you get to live relive one day what day would you relive
1: oh my god wow like okay this is hard that's a hard one it is a hard one yeah
0: so i saved it towards the end
1: yeah i mean i think I think that this could probably be a different answer every day you asked me, but Mm. because we've, we were talking about, um, my experience, uh, when Kyla became sick, when my daughter got really, really sick, I was, um, I didn't trust my intuition Mm. on that. And so I kept calling, I like, I called the doctor's office and I described to them what I was seeing and what was happening. And they kept being like, Oh, I think that she's just, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. and like, if, if I could go back, I would relive that day and I would be a lot stronger in like w- that. I knew we needed help and I knew we needed mm. it now. And I would have just like, yeah. I would have done that day differently. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Claire, this has been so much fun. I had an absolute blast. I just want to recognize you for being vulnerable and honest and for dedicating your life to helping other people mm-hmm. like that is a incredible thing about you is that you're very giving and you really do help people see who they really are. Yeah, uh, that so. is something I've loved about you ever since I first met you, mm-hmm. and I am so excited that you're going on this new podcasting venture. And I just can't wait to see what happens. So thank you for sharing your unique self with the world. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the last question that I ask every person is what does it mean to you to live an authentic life?
1: Mm. That's good. I mean, I think that for me, it really means um, telling the truth. And Living the truth and um, and I think we often think of the truth as like this Like that it that that's like the, of course we're just doing that right. Yeah, but for me um, Taking the time to really investigate like what truthfully feels good to you What makes you feel inspired and driven and alive and what feels like? Um, you're doing something That feels natural to you and it's not necessarily easy but it feels really right Mm -hmm. and and to just commit to whatever it takes um, to get you to be living in the most fully present version of that truth is I think like I think that's what it means to live authentically and whether that whether that means you need to make different choices about small things you know what what you're putting into your body how you're talking to yourself and taking ownership of all the things that are taking you away from that truth and then starting to like one by one sort of like tick them off and get closer and closer to where every day you feel like everything you're doing from the moment you wake up in the morning to the moment you go to bed is a true expression of who you are and what feels right to you, Mm. yeah.
0: Wow, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Mm Everyone, like we said several times, all the information that we talk about is in the show notes and thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate you spending some time with us and I just want to say I love you guys and thanks for keeping us company. See ya. Hey friends, me again. Just a quick reminder that if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you prefer. See ya.